2: Into the National Intel Report on this 11th day of June 2020, and we're in hour number two of the broadcast. This is Larkin, Texas, standing in for John Stab Miller today, and we're joined by Nikki Rapana. Uh, for me, a personal treat. I'm very delighted to uh, finally make some connections with Nikki. We spoke just a little bit before the broadcast, but uh, before the break, Nikki. I saw years ago that you didn't want to go down that road of offending people, potentially, vis-a-vis looking into the religious aspects of this thing. Because in my view, religion was always tied to law. And in turn, they were all tied to, these things were tied to philosophy. And I've had a lifelong interest in comparative religions and philosophy, although I can't say that I'm anything but a dilettante on the subject matter, I'm still uh, very interested in these things. I remember I was, um, you know, I too probably read just about everything you've ever written that's at least available on the Internet. Because uh, I was like you, I was curious, I wanted answers, and you did a lot of that legwork, that, that important legwork that I think woke a lot of us up and caused us to independently pursue our own research. And so where I thought I might fill in some holes was my interest in comparative religion and philosophy to help bring this together in in terms of understanding the historical uh, antecedents as well as the, um, as I put it, the religio-philosophical antecedents as it, ties into the so-called law and uh it was Fabulous. i was curious to me how they could uh pull all this stuff off without a whole lot of people not being involved and i had to ask myself well what's causing these people to be duped so easily and that's why for me an understanding of careerism and corporatism going back to our understandings of uh What is a democracy? What is a republic? What is uh, canonical, ecclesiastical law and the like to bring us to this point? Because, you know, why would so many bright, erstwhile, well-meaning people go along with this program so willy-nilly? And so I wonder if you have some thoughts about that.
1: Well <laughs> yeah the um the religion which i mean it's like uh law religionalized how they used to speak of uh, judaic law okay um and it has a firm basis in any of the ancient traditions where the people were um tightly controlled by the priests or the rabbi, um, who determined, um, you know, whether you could work on a certain day or what, you know, I mean, some of it was like, so, uh, I don't even know what the word is. Okay. Cause I've never lived like that where somebody was in complete control of everything I did from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. And there's, uh, there's a lot of support for that in the people that are uh, doing the controlling, okay? <laughs>
3: sure, <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: I mean, if you're, you're not the one they're doing it to. And, it's, and the thing about this is it it's all for our own good, you know? That's why I call uh, the communitarians Big Mother, because uh, it, it is Big Brother in a sense that there is that surveillance and control, but Big Mother does it with a loving hand. When she, you know, punishes you, it's only for your own good. They have the the they have that rhetoric down is what they do. Okay. They yeah, this, is hurt, to this is gonna hurt this
2: is gonna hurt you more than it hurts me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And and when they were cleaning up the neighborhood that I was in, you know, they said it like we're we're cleaning up the neighborhood. We're creating safe streets. That was one of the <clears throat> excuse me, the initiatives was called creating safe streets. Which sounds good. I'm the kind of person that I'll run off any bullshit going on in my neighborhood. I'll go right out my front door and confront kids that are sitting out there doing drugs or whatever they're doing. You got to go. Bye, you know. Um, So I don't have any. I mean, I was like, yeah, I'm there with your safe street thing. Well, I didn't realize they, they were targeting us. Poor people, because we're, we spread disease, crime, and immorality. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, you can't do, you can't do it by income level. You have to do it by action. And then plus the whole idea of um, you know how firmly entrenched our entire system is in our property rights, our all our constitutional um, <laughs> parameters. Okay, our property rights. You know, and you have. I had to, to really get my head around that part of it too. Is that you know, the, um, that we, uh, what, I you know, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. I'm, um, I'm thought about, well, that's okay. So it seems long. to me
2: that it seems to me that really what they're after is that what they're targeting is your property rights. And, uh,
1: oh yeah, it's a land yeah, grab. It, it's a hundred percent a land grab and then everything on it.
2: Yeah. They don't even want you to own your own mind or your own body.
1: No, no, and I mean, it, it went so far that now, if I if I started writing now, Mark, this would be nuts, because I would have to include all the AI and all of the, um, you know, the robotic portion of it where they just want us to be like robots. Or wouldn't we be better off if we were just robots or be part robots and have things embedded in us? And, and <clears throat> you know, and I mean, now I, I mean, I would have been... If I start writing again, I'm going to include a lot more. But it was just too overwhelming when I was just focused on the law. And it's the administrative agency law, which is the the key to the whole thing, is that this these laws are not being passed or adopted necessarily by your elected representatives. This is an agency that writes the law, and then they enforce the law, And then they judge you for violation of that law. You're in that same office for all three levels of what's going on. So how do you fight that? And then you go into their administrative courts. The the assistant district attorney for the state of Alaska, or not district attorney, what she calls state attorney general, excuse me, Harriet Milks is her name. She flat out told me during my, fine i was fine i'm also the director of alaska hemp fest i started that uh with my daughter in 2015 in alaska because i i really believe that hemp is a an economic um you know has the potential to uh bring industry to alaska that's healthy and green and you know sure. that we need more than just an oil-based economy here, and we rely on so much imports that I just I thought it would be a good thing to have a festival, show everybody all the products, talk about the legislation, and you know get uh, public uh, more interested and involved in what's happening with the big cannabis revolution that we legalized marijuana here, but not hemp. It was nuts. So I had my our second festival. No, excuse me, our third. Um, we had a lot of flack from some competitors who want a monopoly. It's like a cartel that we're dealing with, and they got the uh, the enforcement agency that was created by the legalization um, of marijuana in 2014, I think it was. Anyway, I was fined $10,000 for encouraging people to violate the no public uh, consumption of marijuana law, where I could prove that I did not encourage anyone to do that, it didn't matter. <laughs> and I was tried in an administrative court, and I was—I wanted to bring up the, the, the free speech portion, you know, freedom of assembly, <laughs> things like that. No, right? they, they don't that care about those amendment. things, do they? No, she flat out told me the Constitution doesn't apply.
2: That's right. <laughs> so
1: I went, well, what defense do I have then? I have none. So here I am, what some people would say, an expert in communitarian law. There I was in the communitarian court dealing with a communitarian fine, and the only way I, I didn't win, it was $10,000, and they cited me in the paperwork for the state law that says that the maximum of a $100 fine if you're um, – found guilty of consumption in public so by citing that law the only thing they could buy me was a hundred dollars but i still fought it right till the end you know i mean i needed to see the process (laughs) and it's very demoralizing to know that you're dealing with people you're in the united states of america you think that you have a bill of rights that sort of you know belongs to you and your countrymen and no there's the state attorney general Assistant, saying, that doesn't apply at all. She told me hemp fest was illegal. I'm like, what do you mean, you know? Why would it be illegal? Well, it's illegal because, you know, big hemp and big pharma have another plan for hemp in Alaska, okay? That's what it boils down to, okay? it's This is big business, big money, and I'm truly doing along here as a regular person, as a regular poor person, thinking of ways that I can you know, uh, buy better materials to build my yurts, basically. I wanted hemp creed. I want hemp plywood. I want hemp plastic. I want the product. And I sure. don't want to have to buy it from China. I think that Alaskans could learn how to, to grow it and, and do it. It's not that hard. It's a weed. And the fact that you have to go through all these hoops these, even to grow it up here, um, it's wrong, okay? So I became more political about something that I had just always felt uh, strongly about all my life anyway. You know, I am a, a marijuana smoker. I smoked pot the entire time I was in Seattle doing all that research. I smoked Halloween right before I went to those meetings, I'll tell you, because those people gave me the creeps. And they're all dressed very nice. They smell really good. But my hair would stand up on the back of my neck and my guts would just turn to to mush when I was sitting in those rooms with those people. And so, to me, now understanding the religious parts of it, that the God that they worship or believe in, which I don't know which one it is, if it's Pachmama or if it's the Lightbringer, it's, it, it doesn't sit well with my soul, okay? that a lot of what I was reacting to when I was this, this was happening in Seattle, the reason I was so flipped out, all the time is i feel i was in the face of pure evil because wanting to destroy lives human lives is evil and i don't care uh who you are i'll I'll defend that to the end because it's what i believe all right i absolutely believe that that hurting people is wrong stealing their livelihoods is wrong putting barriers uh using governmental uh power to steal people's livelihoods is really wrong. What they've done now with the corona by locking down, so many businesses are not gonna open back up. We all know this, okay? Why? Why did they get rid of so many small business owners? How come Walmart and Target and Costco all stayed open in Alaska and all the little stores closed? Duh.
4: Well,
2: okay? because of what they, they want. want, what they want, they want is a command and control economy what some might call a dirigiste economy. They want smart cities. You know, they want... uh, I mean, they want total control because they think it's more efficient. And a lot of capitalists are on board with this. You know, they like the idea of being able to source uh, materials and uh, uh, natural resources, even human resources, from wherever in the world that they see fit. And uh, we all know that uh, uh, Americans cannot compete with uh, Chinese laborers that are brought in en masse from the countryside into the cities. And then that's why that's why all the telephones are uh, manufactured over in China. You know, Uh, I have to tell you, Nikki, I don't think big tech is our friend. And when I talk about tech, I'm talking about, Anything that you can describe as technology or a tool, and especially these so-called GRIN technologies, you know, genetics, robotics, information, and nanotech. These people are going to continue to push and push and push the envelope because they want to innovate, innovate or die. And this is what I see. So I see a world in the future of techno-slavery. And I define it over at my website. And, well, that's
1: uh, Patrick Wood and his technocracy rising. I'm, you know, he's done a, some good work. A lot of people are aware of that aspect of it. Now they think that's the end all, be all, and they're they're missing. If you don't know the word communitarian, then you don't understand the law and the legal system, because it's right. law.
2: And you can't really so understand to just tell the, them the means
1: what? or the method is not enough.
2: And you can't understand the underlying philosophy behind all the cultural and the social changes that we're witness to. Would you agree?
1: No, or why? Because it does help to know why. There's a certain relief when you go, okay, oh, that's why this is happening. You know, I I see that a lot. And I also know that, you know, we don't understand agency law. We don't understand, you know, the... The way that the system—it's like a parallel system. You have your constitutional courts that are based in property. You know, you go you're, when you're charged with a crime. It, it's it, well before they passed so many new communitarian crimes, but originally you had to prove damages.
4: In order for
1: you to be charged with murder, there had to be a dead body laying there, okay? And then you would be charged based on the degree of the damages that you did to the property. A misdemeanor meant you only damaged a little bit. Uh, You know, felony meant you hurt somebody really bad. You know, I mean, and so, and then the same thing in the civil court. You cannot go into civil court and just sue somebody on principle. You have to claim damages to property your entire system was built that way so right next to it since 1948 when they, the administrative procedures act gave the agencies the power to write rules and regulations that they were able to enforce and all these administrative laws are outside the constitutional court system but the 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 law that they're using They never tell you what that law is. It's mostly administrative law or whatever. They just say it's it's the administrative um, procedures or however they want to describe it in there. But what it is is communitarian law. And once you find the communitarian law, then, you know, a lot of it is EPA law. And I am, you know, not against cleaning up rivers and, you know, I I mean, I don't support destroying the environment on any level at all. I'm one of those people that goes around picking up cigarette butts and everything. Okay, but these laws that um, they're directed at that small people. It's always been about uh, the, the small business and the small property owner. They were the barrier, okay, to full implementation of the program. You can't have people that are independent and independently um, self-sufficient like a small business person. They don't. They aren't rich. Uh, You know, but they have money, and they're not beholden. They don't have to do what their employer tells them to do when they own their own small business. That kind of person, they they don't fit in the communitarian system. And if you own your own house and think that it's your house, you don't fit in the system either. So it's going to be a rude awakening when people realize... They think they follow the law. They think they're good people. They're good neighbors. They participate in their community. You know, they don't hurt anybody. They follow all those constitutional parameters, and they think they're safe. And they would have been if this wouldn't have happened. Well, you know, this country...
2: um, Yeah, I remember the example of my grandparents and what America was like in 1900 and how it changed from really an agrarian society to... An urban society with the industrial revolution, but uh, we'll pick up on that too and other things right after these message, Nikki.
0: As a listener of RBN, you're surely concerned about being informed and being ready for whatever may come. Please consider the following questionnaire as a soul-jarring wake-up call. If you answer no to more than two of these following questions, you probably aren't going to make it through any major disruption in our country. The questions were compiled by people that have been there. Are you really ready? Do you own your own firearm for the primary defense and protection of you and your loved ones? Have you ever been professionally trained to stand against life-threatening behavior? Have you ever practiced enough to fire 500 rounds during a two- to four-day time frame, day and night? Can you load, unload, fire, and clear a jam in total darkness? Have all the adults in your household been professionally trained? Are you, life and death, comfortable with your abilities with pistol, revolver, shotgun, and rifle? Are you aware that everything that you do to prepare for an emergency is a waste of time, money and energy, if you haven't owned your abilities to their highest level to protect and keep what you have? Do you have the repair parts that will most likely be needed for each of your firearm, and do you have the ability to install those parts? Could you completely clean every firearm you own? Are you aware that your body won't go where your mind hasn't been? In other words, without proper training, followed by regular practice, you probably will not win a gunfight. Well... How did you measure up? Take the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to start correcting your deficiencies by receiving your Commander Lifetime Membership with Front Sight Firearms Training Facility. A one-time donation to RBN for $500 will give you a Commander Lifetime Membership at Front Sight as a tremendously huge thank you bonus. See details on RBN's webpage to make it happen. The clock is ticking. You had better be ready before it happens
1: wasn't that the idea when we started out school that's what they said the constitution was about
4: wasn't that the idea when we started out out
2: all right back ladies and gentlemen Now, I neglected to mention at the top of the show that there is a chat room if you all want to come in and participate in the time remaining. There's some good links in there, some good people. That address is nationalintelreport.chatango.com or NATL, national, abbreviated NATL, intelreport.chatango.com. I was saying before the break, Nikki, that uh, I remember years ago, I went back into the uh, law review of Brigham Young University, and about that same time I discovered a man by the name of Harold Berman. Harold Berman uh, was a noted Soviet legal expert who taught American law students for 60 years, 40 of them at Harvard Harvard University, and I I was astonished by that a noted Soviet legal expert who taught American law students for 60 years. He only passed away a few years ago. And so I would encourage anybody that's interested in the legal aspects of communitarian law and how it has been superimposed upon all other forms of law, including administrative law and constitutional law and any kind of law you can think of. But uh, start with a uh, law review. Goes back to the 80s at uh, Brigham Young University. That's a Mormon university. And then do some research simply by typing into your search engine the name Harold Berman. And this is a man who was born Jewish, converted to to Protestantism, and uh, was quite regarded, quite revered. I remember... Uh, A few years back, this uh, public intellectual by the name of Jordan Peterson was getting a lot of airplay on YouTube and places like that. And I researched him and I discovered that he attended McGill University in Canada. And I felt certain this man had come under the influence of Charles Taylor, who's also well regarded and he is a communitarian theoretician, if you will, and professor there. So he's very much like Amitai Etzioni in Canada. And then, of course, there's the example of Alistair McIntyre over in uh, the UK and any number of uh, figures. And you can see the influence that the communitarians have had in our universities today and in our public and private schools today. And it is astonishing when you see the totality of it all. If y'all are to visit my website, again, tinyurl.com forward slash Larkin Texas, I would encourage you to read Trust Your Gut. It takes all of uh, about a minute and a half to read. And another entry is simply entitled Nine Words. And uh, I want you to... Uh, really appreciate people like Nikki Rapana and her daughter who really did the heavy lifting for people like myself and others uh, on this network and uh, across the Internet largely that have done the heavy lifting and continue to do the heavy lifting. But uh, I think that uh, indeed we are literally trying to navigate this life with one hand tied behind our backs. One eye closed, one gimp leg, if we don't know about communitarianism and communitarian law. But with that said, Nikki, would you like to uh, uh, invite a couple of callers to uh, join our conversation? Oh, sure. Okay, let's uh, – because I don't want to hog you all to myself, although I'd like that. Let's, uh, let's start with Dennis in Florida. How are you doing, Dennis?
5: Yes. Am I
2: here? You are.
5: Well, I... Hi, Dennis. Thanks for taking... Hi. Hi. You are a religious person, huh? You Is your belief in an uh, almighty, or what is that?
1: Who are you asking me? Yes. Um, I believe that there is a creator of the universe, and that that is pretty much all I know. Okay, no, so, no, I'm not, re- I'm not religious in the in the sense of I don't follow a, a religion. No.
5: All right, well, I consider myself a, a gun-toting uh, Zen Buddhist, so that's where I'm at. But oh. um, would you agree? <laughs> <laughs> would you agree? Truth and discernment is like the, uh, that's our weapon, right? I mean, truth, information, finding truth, looking yes. for truth, and then discerning the, you know, whatever information that we get and trying to make a decision on how we move forward, right? And that's important, right?
1: Yes, that's pretty much all my work that I did share. When I started sharing it, that was what it was for. Um, I had people ask me all the time what they should do. And I said, that's not my job. I'm not a communitarian. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to give you as much information as I can, what I have to give, and then you take it and run with it. Because I don't even know what uh, you might have in your brain, you know? Where you could go with it. Um, I wanted a lot of different ideas, which did start happening. Like, Mark, he went a different direction.
2: He, and he brought let's a, take a Let's take a break, background break, okay? To it. We'll be back. Hold on, hold on there, Nick.
0: You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org.
8: Your life with extendovite. Extendivite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. Nikki. Great product. Have to try it for a few months to see results. After taking Extendivite for about six months, I have noticed improvement on the numbness of my hands and wrists from Carpal Tunnel. I will continue to buy the product. Ken Peaks, five out of five stars. Works as advertised. This formula is very powerful. Be careful to follow directions. I am feeling much better. My heart rate and blood pressure has stabilized and my lower edema has reduced. Lower leg pain due to blood clots has disappeared. Thank you. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with
4: ExtendoVite. (音楽) We'll be right back. back.
2: All righty, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the final stretch of today's National Intel Report. A reminder, we're joined by Nikki Rapana from Alaska, co-author of 2020, Our Common Destiny, and the definitive anti-communitarian manifesto. Um, we have some calls backing up. Dennis, are you still on the line? I, I am. Yeah, Go, go ahead and uh, go ahead and wrap it up if you can.
5: I will. Okay. my my main concerns and I believe me, I dive deep into truth because I know it's very important. So health comes up and politics comes up. Health. Just be as healthy as you can. Take care of yourself. Be healthy. Mind and body. Be healthy. And then in the politics realm, I say do the Gandhi approach only because I can think of only a solution. If I have a short amount of time to talk about stuff, solution is what I talk about gandhi approach stop going along with the bullshit um, with the um the things that they want us to go along with resist that's the gandhi approach peaceful resistance and don't pay your taxes don't i'm not saying don't show up to work i mean most i'm an entrepreneur so i, I love work i mean but um don't go along with the system on gandhi
2: approach is, is my final words and thank for you whatever, for whatever it's call. for whatever it's worth to you dennis there is a researcher. You can find him. He goes by the name Timothy Spearman. The website is shakesaspear.com. And learn about the real Mohandas Gandhi.
5: Well, okay. He's not, well, I'm not talking about Gandhi the man, but I'm talking his approach to uh, finding uh, resolve to uh, the violence. I agree. We get this. Dennis- one of our main things when people ask me what they can do, I say,
1: get out of the dialectic. And in order to do that, you just have to know what the dialectic is. And that's how you're pushed and pulled to pick a side and do things a certain way. Political correctness is part of it. Um, all of the new terminology that they right. use for human behavior is, is the dialectic. And that's, that's what people have to get out of it and feel strong enough about themselves that if you don't like something,
5: you don't have to do it. True. Based on what? Though, where do you find your passion? Belief, uh, belief in With, a uh, a guide or a uh, in yourself or in a system. I mean, what? Do you, how do you? Where do you find your? Well, uh,
1: belief in the. In, in, okay, where I do, do you find believe your
5: that.
1: I find my strength in the the, the the rights that I have as an American or used to have, were endowed by my as creator. All
5: people
1: have. As all people have. have exactly. Yes. And they come from the creator or God, or whatever you want to call him, and there, not then, from then you man. divide.
5: Then you divide. Once you start talking about this creator, which uh, I'm yeah. on the fence on, <laughs> I mean, there has to be some divine intervention in this world because we're just too complex for nothing less. But when you start, when you choose a side as far as how it was created, then you divide. Would you not agree to that? Yep. I totally agree with that.
1: Yeah, we're, I, you. Think, I think... I've, You sum it up pretty good.
2: Thank you very much, Dennis. Appreciate your input. Let's go to Jenna in Washington. Hi, Jenna.
3: Well, hi, you two. I'm really (laughs) happy to hear both of you talk. And, Nikki, you talking about the big hemp and the whole struggle with big hemp in industry, it's totally relative to biochar from our perspective because we've been on it for so many years and just seeing – these international bio initiatives and the green agenda kind of swooping up this carbon system and and how that goes hand in hand with the carbon tax that they want to push and it's mm. funny that it's it can communitarianism can be applied to biochar in my perspective i needed to talk about that because it just seems like universities social interest groups, with gardening, it, it has to be an, uh, a legislative initiative that will never pass because it's such a win-win product for growing healthy, you know, nutrient-dense food. And I—I uh. I, we haven't gotten this information out, so I just wanted to share that. And I'm really happy to hear your voice. Well, I'm really happy to hear yours, too. You've been, like a big you're why i'm here <laughs> you know that and brian yeah he's here listening too. um I, I'm, kudos to you thank you so much i don't want to take up too much time but i, I did want to just say hi thank you i want more information on that that you have if you'll uh pm that to me i sure will i'd
1: love
2: thanks to for your that. thanks for your call jenna
3: you're welcome thanks <clears throat>
2: Uh, Let's bring on Wayne in Texas. Howdy, Wayne.
9: Yeah, hi, Lark. Can you hear me okay?
7: Sure. Go ahead.
9: Okay. Uh, A couple things uh, before I go into my comments here. There's a couple reference documents I'd like uh, folks to write down. Um, one, One is Fruit from a Poisonous Tree, written by Melvin Stamper. And Al Whitney used to talk about this all the time, Lark, and I think you knew her from the Saturday show on RBN. Sure. And another one is uh, Judge Dale, retired Judge Dale, who wrote a treatise on how things work. And uh, folks read these two uh, documents, they'll get a good background on what I'm going to talk about. And basically what I want to say is uh, there's two types of law. One is positive law that has a constitutional basis passed by the legislature. The other style is color of law, which is statutory, it's regulations. And this is what these agencies get into. So, yeah, they may call it law, but it's not really true positive law in that way. So when they send you a notice or a letter saying you've got to do this or that, they're actually starting to pick a fight with you. And what you have to do is be able to turn that document around and uh, put something on it, and this is what I would do. I would say returned, uh, received and returned in timely manner. I don't know who you are and do not wish to contract with you. Cease and desist, all communications with me. You with me so far? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then what I would do is send them a letter the, uh, the head of the agency or the manager of that department and say, I am more than happy to comply with your, uh, your notice, but here's what I require. I need your full name, address, a certified copy of your oath of office. I need the source of your delegated constitutional authority to do this action. And by the way, what is the constitutional basis for this action? And there's again, I just kind of scratched out some notes here there. I could get more uh, detailed, you know, with some more time. But but basically what we have to do is they pick the fight. You've got to throw it back in their court and force them to prove, number one, who they are and what is their delegated authority, either by the Constitution or some other uh, constitutional basis type of action. That's what you have to do. And on these letters, what I always do is I put a default clause in there saying, if I don't hear back from you in 30 days, your alleged claim or whatever you're trying to do is null and void. And then silence is acquiescence. So what you've got to do is you got to come back hard at them and throw them on their heels because if you just throw the notice away, you're going into dishonor. And that starts you down the slippery slope of a potential fine or uh, forfeiture or something like that. And like I say, there's a lot right. of good research. So I, out
1: there. Actually, I, I actually did that. I, not that way, not that smart, but I wrote everyone, asking them what was going on. Please explain to me your authority to do this, you know. And then when they wouldn't answer me, then I found the Public Disclosure Act, and which is the state FOIA, Freedom Information Request uh, idea or whatever law, and I would cite the law and say you have to respond. The law says that you have to produce these documents. You have to ask for documents when you're doing those kind of things too. Okay, you can't exactly. just ask them. I they wouldn't answer my questions because they didn't have to. They said, but they did have to produce the documents that backed their uh, assumptions up. And that w- it was a war. Absolutely, was a war. I learned so much about their program because I was. Dealing with seven different agencies, and every one of them wrote me back something different and gave me a keyword that I could use with another agency. <laughs> <laughs> so
9: I got yeah, into exactly it. okay. I think the key to it is a time, put a time limit and a default clause because, uh, and you may want to even send a second notice. I don't know if you did that either, but just just so you keep them, you know, back on their oh, heels. Oh, I sent so two hundred second you know, notices.
1: They were so sick of me in that city.
9: <laughs> <laughs> did you actually slow them down then, or uh, did they kind of go away after? Um,
1: actually, yeah, I was um, the landlord that I was helping. He, we um, he had a big fight over the fact that he wouldn't pay me. He'd only pay his lawyers, okay, and yeah. um, he evicted me. And I, I bought it with the attorneys I was working with at the time. It was really stupid, but anyway, I did. And in my trial, or whatever you call it, my um, it was actually a criminal court. Uh, the city attorney's office and other members of Seattle government testified on my behalf because they were there to say that, yes, I did work for Mr. Sisley, and I had been the primary contact person that they dealt with through all of these legal actions. And then one of them, Darby DeComb, she was an assistant city attorney, said that they had changed some of the tactics and the programs because of my research, so I, I, I was validated, I, did, I lost kind of I don't know what happened, really, I didn't care. Um, but the fact is is that, yes, one person, one pissed off woman, <laughs> writing a bunch of letters to the demands, you know, makes a difference because I also followed it up. When I didn't hear from them, I went to their office. I made friends with all their receptionists, because, you know, I'm a regular person. I could come in and say, hey, how's it going? Cute shirt, okay?
4: <laughs>
1: and they were helping me. I had one in the city attorney's office, one of the receptionists, told me that just because her boss was doing these bad things, it was Mark Stegman at the time, doesn't mean that, her, that all the employees go along with it, okay? Sure, so sure. I had people in Seattle who were, um, I had two public health inspectors approach me in a very weird way and tell me to keep asking questions, don't stop. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Can you talk to me? They go, no, we'll lose our job <laughs> if anybody sees us talking to you, but please keep going. So I, I felt like I was in a movie, okay? It was awful because I really, that's there was no, no person to follow. So I did in the back of our book, and that's good stuff there that you yeah. just asked, I just want okay, to say, I can't those.
9: stress enough. Fruit from, fruit from a Poisonous Tree, uh, Melvin Stamper, uh, Judge Dale, and the UCC Connection. That'll give you, anybody, a good start on a lot of what's going on here.
2: Very. Good. Thanks for your call, Wayne. And I think it's true that you really can't, uh, even in uh, a communitarian world, you cannot separate communitarian law from contract law. <clears throat> That's a good thing, actually. But thanks anyway, you. thanks once again for your input. And uh uh, let's next bring up Chris in Cleveland. Howdy, Hello. Chris? Howdy. How's it going? They're both of you. Good. It's um,
8: yeah, glad I tuned in today. Very interesting show. I'm enjoying this conversation for sure. Well, thank you. Right on. <laughs> yeah, as far as communitarianism <laughs> goes, I, it's something I just instinctively hate. You know. I, My uh, knowledge would be only cursory, you could say, not studious by any means. It reminded me of something, this conversation of uh, some people I've known for the years. I've never actually signed a title to property or anything, so I've never personally dealt with this. But uh, homeowners associations, where they have these... uh, Rules where they can levy fines and uh, increase they're, they're, the severity. They're communitarian.
2: They're communitarian.
8: Yeah, I think it's the same idea. I recall the first time I heard about that yeah, kind of thing.
1: Harvella Jones uh, contributed a chapter to 2020 Our Common Destiny, our book, and she was uh, in the Homeowners Association, I think, Texas been a long time mm-hmm. since I looked at it, but she made the parallels between the communitarian research that we were doing and the Homeowners Association, and we included it in the book. So you're right. And that gut yes, that, that you're talking about, um, the, the biggest barrier to the this whole plan, according to uh, Harvard professor Henry Aiken, is the healthy instinct of the plain man.
2: That's
8: what I got. Who yep. doesn't and want to be corralled? Who doesn't,
2: who doesn't want to be forced to deny his own personal autonomy and his exercise of free will and his freedom of choice? Yep. So that's what we as Americans, as, as uh, Brits, as Japanese, it doesn't matter around the world. That's what we have to assert. You know, do you stand uh, for these things? I mean, do you believe that uh, exercise of free will is your natural right, your God-given right? Indeed. If God
8: is the spirit of the universe or the heart of the sun or whatever that might mean,
2: right? Yeah, (laughs) then Always be guided by the fact that, frankly, um, uh, contract law cannot be separated from communitarian law. So there's your basis from which to stand. Uh, you have to ask yourself: You know, were you induced into a dishonorable contact, con- a contract rather? Uh, were you right. uh, provided full disclosure and all these things? And you know, you'll find on my website, for instance, under nine words about the seven essential elements of a of a contract, because it's very important that we we uh, we understand that. And that's the basis from which we can fight back. That and becoming apprised of what's really going down in this world. You know, don't be shocked when you walk into a courtroom and discover, like Nikki did, that the Constitution doesn't count.
9: Yeah, my
8: philosophy on courtrooms is, like, as soon as you walk in, you're already lost. I mean, yeah. if that's I'm exactly walking right. into a courtroom, it's already game's already over, and I'm just negotiating now. It's their right? bailiwick.
2: It's their bailiwick. And, it's their bailiwick <laughs> and as far as I'm concerned and what I tell everybody, the legal profession today is, frankly, uh, a uh, criminal protection racket. That's what it is. That sounds pretty accurate. Yeah.
1: I had to yeah, fire my it. attorney in, in my last case. I had to get rid of him. I was going to lose. <laughs> Worse. And I didn't know what I would do in that courtroom, but I, I couldn't have him.
2: <laughs> Chris, thanks for calling in. Yeah, We've got limited time. Oh, I'm man, sorry. I was
8: hoping that Nikki, with her question of uh, what is your spiritual motivation, I was hoping she was going to say it was shooting pool, pull. But,
2: yeah. All right. That's um, as good I'm, as any. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. Right, I'm having fine. trouble You'll... hearing right now. i got a bunch of traffic outside. I'm in a tent.
8: So as soon or as it
2: gets noisy. The mental game of shoot and pull you brought up. I enjoyed that. That <laughs>
8: was interesting.
2: Yeah, you've got to always right. think about your your leave. Remember the game? The word is you yeah, have to think you know about your English, leave. You know? Yeah, that, yeah that's uh, the mechanics. But too. then if you yeah. have your
8: Jedi mind tricks on top of it all, then, you, <laughs> you know. All right, y'all. I enjoyed this. Well, thanks very for much sure. for calling in. All right. Yeah, thank good
2: you. Of both of you. All right, bye. All right, let's bring up Fred in Michigan. And, Fred, I want to remind you we've got one other caller. So, uh, welcome.
4: Hey there, Lark. And How do do? Hey, Fred. I have to call this. The, I have to. Uh, Larnick, the Larnick cast. Hey, uh, I uh, hypothesize that uh, communitarian contract law is intimately connected to the Talmudic law. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lark has cited IATLaw.org, right? Institute of American Talmudic Law. Yeah. And there's a a, a reference, uh, Werner Werner Sombart, whom I presume was a Ph.D. economist, uh, or professor, who, who in 1911 authored a book, The Jews in Modern Capitalism. The Jews in Modern Capitalism, in which he declares that all things monetary, economic, fiduciary emanate from the Talmud, including including uh, the money, loan, credits, and the creation of actual currency. <laughs> I mean, man... God's chosen people, they just got it all nailed down, man. They and only they are endowed with a superseding knowledge and wisdom and the concomitant uh, supernatural ability to convey that knowledge and wisdom to the Graham Gentile sheeple whom they presume to be their property, right?
1: Well, I think that it's just like any other religious group. Though there's a sect in Judaism that believes this very strongly. We want Moshiach now and all that. The Habal Lubavitch and the people that were involved in um, all kinds of things. Okay, they've been activists for a long time, but the average Jew, no. Okay, they're sitting ducks, just like we are, in my opinion. Okay,
2: I think I think so too.
4: And and. Uh, I don't mean to disparage uh, uh, our common law Jewish uh, fellow Americans, okay? It it is as you say. Um, And in fact, uh, in Hitchcock's Synagogue of Satan, there are numerous citations of these uh, uh, Kesar Ashkenazis who were... uh, uh, you know, directing well, uh, they were uh, constructing World Wars One and Two, and as you know, the Civil War, and all of that emanated out of the Bank of England, the Rothschild Syndicate, uh, and they stated uh, that they intended to per- have the Jewish people persecuted because they wanted to form a what a. a, with, uh, a uh, a predominant state in Africa by taking over Palestine, and they wanted to flood it with uh, Jewish people. And they did that by virtue of all these scare tactics or even terror tactics that they themselves deployed, that being the Khazar Ashkenazis. Okay, right. And, and, before, and there's, forget, there's a
1: lot of, there's so many religious pieces of this. The Vatican. Pope Benedict, Pope Francis, Pope John II, you know, I I've, I've found Methodist ministers, Presbyterian ministers. Every religion mm-hmm. that I know of is uh, the hierarchy, the guys at the top are all communitarians, and saying that Jesus was a communitarian, okay? <laughs> so it, it's, it's like, you know, this is why I say it's a hot the religion. I mean, some people just want to call it flat out Luciferian because that's like the the top god, maybe. I don't know. Okay, I don't. We've got do to, that. we've got to
2: move on, though, Fred. Thank you. We've got uh, little time left. Thank you <laughs> yeah, very much for your input. T- let's bring up let's bring up JJ that. in Washington.
8: Hello, 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 hello. I'm glad to hear Thanks. you both on air. It's a wonderful Thanks. day. What we are experiencing is. Uh, implementation, full implementation of a communitarian New World Order. The UN and the EU both operate under a communitaire and have for years. And all of this really started when Nikki was doing her research. And before, when it kicked into overdrive, was the Earth Summit in 92, where they sent delegates all over the world to learn the new form of governance, which is communitarian governance. Are
2: there this is it if this is the if this isn't an exercise this is the real deal and and, and, to and this, even that even to that, to that was an, that was to codify the the uh the language of sustainable development which emanated from the bruntland commission report of 1987 during the reagan and the thatcher administrations and it really got ties all the way back to the nixon administration with uh William house and Russell Train in the uh, beginnings of uh, Earth Day and uh, the Environmental Protection Agency and and the like. We've got one more caller, JJ. All
8: right, thanks. Uh, Thank you for basis, that. You need you need to live freedom, and if you're if you're not living freedom daily, it does not exist. Was a little adage I came up for our times. Bless you both. I'm
2: <laughs> Karen in Tennessee, we have limited time. Welcome.
3: Hi, great to hear you guys on air again. I was wondering, Nikki, during your research, were you ever able to uncover who the originator of this communitarian law is? Um, well, actually,
1: <clears throat> it's ancient law, and it's, it, it, yeah, um, it. <laughs> The farthest back I can go with the actual, uh, you know, date, okay, is uh, to a guy named uh, Goodwin Barnby, who was the head of the communist church in England in 1841, and he started the communitarian church, and, and actually he claimed that he coined the word communist and he was tied to the Olenites, and eventually became a Unitarian minister. So um, that is like a historical record. I found references to Communitarianism in um, Vatican documents from the third and fourth century. It, actually, by word, it was it was. Christ conversion was called the communitarian
2: conversion look look that that up in the encyclopedia Karen just look up the word communitarianism it's very simple it
1: goes back it's a very ancient word
2: Nikki thank you very much for being on the podcast today thank you very much and uh, hopefully we'll have a surprise for the listeners next week thanks you all for tuning in and uh, I hope you'll continue to support the network and do visit our research and uh don't, don't navigate this life with one hand tied behind your back if you don't have to.
1: Get out of the dialectic.
2: <laughs> I'm into that.
3: <laughs>
2: well, we're going to try. How about that?
1: <laughs> we're working on it. I, I need some equipment before I can get that going, but I'm going to try. This was kind of fun.
2: Yeah, hey, thanks. It was for, great to talk, talk to you, Mark. Yeah, it's good to talk we to you
4: must take back. We must take America back.
3: This is RBN, the Republic
4: Broadcasting Network.